Hi, and welcome to the Pottscast, your semi-regular look into the world of pottery. Enjoy! Welcome to another episode of the Pottscast. Today, I would like to talk a little bit before I put the interview. Yes, there is an interview. I did promise you an interview that it's coming, it's coming. So, so I wanted to give you a little insight, because I mentioned that I had my first sale... I'm not going to talk about that one. I'm going to talk about my second sale. The first thing about it was it was a miserable morning. I didn't want to go. I was feeling a bit grumpy. I had to wake up early. I was tired and I didn't want to go. And I had half organised everything. So I hadn't properly organised. And so I was rushing. And I left my tablecloth at home. I took the table and a chair and everything and everything else was was fine. At least this time I took my iPad so I was all ready to go. I had no hope of selling anything. It was a primary school winter fair. I thought, well, there's no chance of me selling anything. So um, it was costing me a fiver. I can do that. Um, So I thought, yeah, I'll do it. So anyway, I went along. And I put all my little bits out (laughs) and I thought, I have a really weird stall. I'll put pictures on the blog if you want to have a look. But I I thought it looked cute. It looked stupid because it didn't have a tablecloth, which necessitated me not buying, going to the kitchen and getting some... All they had was antibacterial spray, so I cleaned up the table, which hadn't seen the light of day for many years. I was cleaning it up (laughs) with antibacterial, so I'm like... It's not particularly white, but it is definitely antibacterial. I sat down behind it and I watched people completely ignore me for half an hour. And I just thought, am I actually here? It's because people would... I think the failing was I was opposite the cake store. <laughs> and to be fair on people, they look like really good cakes. I had to look at them all afternoon and they're just going dwindling, dwindling. They look like really good cakes. And so basically people would come down my bit and they'd get a glimpse of the cakes and then make a beeline for the cakes, completely ignoring me and the bookstore. However, once they got the cakes... They would browse on the bookstall and then completely ignore me again. So, yeah, I used to, I'd say, oh, they just didn't see me. But then they did see me. They just weren't interested. <laughs> so I was sitting there and I knew it, it was a vain hope that they'd be buying anything. I knew that. But a little bit of me was going, yeah, but somebody will buy something. And over the time, it was like, it was two hours in and... I'd had one person look. I'd had a little girl come back like four times, tell me how great everything was on the store and how much she loved it. And I said to myself, if she comes back again, I'm just going to give her something from the store, which I should have done the time before, but she ran away before I could. So, yeah, I she never came back, so I never got to give it to her, and I couldn't find her. I didn't know where she was. Yeah, it's a shame, because I would have given her something, because she was the only one who showed me love. Well, no, she wasn't the only one, because I was in the middle of the deepest depression, you know, like, oh, God, all my stuff's really shit, and nobody likes it, and I just, I'm deluding myself that I can do this, and, oh, why, oh, why did I let myself believe that I could 
be creative. I'm not a creative person. I'm just so rubbish. Uh, I was just there in a monologue, was running overboard. And one of the other potters from the clay studio who happened to be there selling her cards that she'd hand-drawn, she came over at that exact moment and did something amazing. She said, bloody hell, it's rubbish here, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think I'm going to sell anything. Even though I know she'd sold stuff because I'd I'd seen her, her sell stuff. But she came over and said just the perfect thing. And then I said, oh, but my stuff's so rubbish. And she said, no. And then she reminded me of my own words. Episode two, I think it was, I was talking about self-doubt. And I said, every single creative person goes through it. And she said, every single creative person goes through it. You have this self-doubt and you start to believe that you're not good enough, but you are. <laughs> and she said that to me. And she just completely raised my spirits. And she wandered off back to her stall and she didn't know because I didn't get a chance to tell her before before the end. But she really picked me up. Because not long after that, <laughs> these two guys were having this long conversation. They clearly used to know each other from school. This is what I've got from their conversation. They used to know each other from way back. And they didn't recognise each other. And they just worked out who each other was. And then they had this long conversation about, oh, you know, how's that? And what's that going on with that? And what are you doing now? And what are you doing now? And I'm, I, I, I must admit, I tuned out. But they were there for at least 20 minutes having this conversation. And not once did either of them even glance down at me, sitting less than a metre away from them. But when they finished, they looked at the cake stall and completely ignored me. So, yes, when they split up from their conversation, one guy was still stood, stood there and he still hadn't looked, even glanced. So I thought, you know what... <laughs> I'm going to ask him why he hasn't even glanced. So I went up to him and I said, hi, you've just had a really long conversation in front of my store and you've been stood there for another 10 minutes and you've not even glanced. I just wondered, is there something wrong with my store? <laughs> and he goes, no. And I said, well, OK then. And I walked off and then he followed me and then he started looking at the stuff on my store. And then he, he started saying nice things and I started telling him the stories behind each piece. He'd have a look at the, the thing and I'd say, oh yeah, see that little mark there? <laughs> That's where my phone rang in my pocket and it startled me. <laughs> and see that bit there? Well, I've no idea what happened there. That's glaze for you. You never know with glaze. Glaze is amazing. And then I pointed out that that glaze that he was looking at was the same glaze as another piece. And that the other piece didn't look anything like it. And I said, but that's the same glaze in the same bucket <laughs> from the same from the same area, but in the same kiln. So that how different different parts of the kiln, what it stood next to, all sorts of things have an effect on the glaze that you, as the person making it, has no one hundred percent knowledge of what's going to come out. The the better you get, the more you can regulate it, but no one can tell a hundred percent what's going to come out. I started just talking to him about everything. Next thing I know, he's buying two pieces. And then after that, I then got other people who came over and other stall holders came over. 
and I sold other things. And it was just nice because none of those people knew me. And for the first time, it was... Well, not for the first time, but it was people that I had... Yeah, I didn't know who had bought things. What I really wanted to say was to Sarah, the wonderful Sarah, who came up to me and lifted me when I was low. What you did was amazing and you are a wonderful, wonderful human being. Right, let's carry on. Let's get on to the interview that I've been promising you for weeks. This is my interview with Helen. Helen makes just lovely stuff. I am amazed every time they're they're crazy, they're funky, they're amazing. Anyway, let's just go to the interview before I carry on. So, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Helen. Hi. So, how did you get started? I started on an adult education class about 18 years ago at Hume wow. Library, wow. taught by Bridget Saltern. And um, I enjoyed it, so I carried on with the ones that they did at Hume Library. Mm. And then adult education lost all its funding. And um, it was a bit of a struggle to find anywhere to do it. And then I started doing it with Robert, and then we moved to Charlton Park. I'm just going to say that Robert is one of the people that runs... The Clay Studio in Hume. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, so I've known Robert a long time, and between them, uh, him and Bridget have taught me everything I know. Okay. And what's your favourite thing to do? Out of all the different things you can do with pottery, I like the actual making. Okay, so you prefer hand building, not throwing. Oh yeah, I don't throw, but I just didn't enjoy the process. Yeah. But I do like I do like sitting and moulding the clay and tweaking it and going, oh, that looks a bit like, I wonder if I can do this. And that's what I like to do. You're more of a sculptor, I'd say. Well, I'm not sure about that. You're a piece of very sculptural. If you give me something that you can mould, I, I find myself, you know, like blue tack or anything, I find yeah. myself making little models out of it. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can successfully do out of blue tack is I can make a breakfast plate. <laughs> with beans and egg and sausages and bacon and beans. <laughs> I tend to make everything into a small dinosaur. <laughs> okay, so what do you find best? What's the best thing about doing pottery? I think partly for me, it's a bit of a therapy. It calms my brain. Mm. I enjoy it. It takes my mind off things and I can sort of create some little monsters, get them out of my head and into somebody else's. <laughs> yeah. And what's the absolute worst thing about pottery? Oh. I can't think of a worse thing. I suppose it's disappointing when something doesn't go the way you want it to, but you learn quite quickly that you have to be a bit flexible. Yeah. Because <laughs> the clay isn't that flexible, yeah. so you have to be... Yeah, I mean, I was just saying today about the glazing that I I don't have any ideas of how I think the glaze will turn out so that when it actually comes out of the kiln, I, I'm completely surprised and excited every time because I, I don't know what I was going to get. So anything is excellent and everything's brilliant. Yeah, it's good to have that, that mindset 
because sometimes you can... I've lost track of the things that I've made and then glazed, and then I've gone, oh, mm. and I don't like it anymore. <laughs> well, I suppose it's much harder as well because you spend so much longer on one of your pieces. You know, throwing and trimming and then, and then decorating this doesn't take that long, but, you know, the things you do must take ages. You must get invested in them. Yes, I do, and, I'm, and it... It can be disappointing, but this is why I've got under glazes. <laughs> so I could just use them as if they were paint. <laughs> because oh, it's, yeah. it's, the, it's the making of them that I like. And then decorating second. And once they've been made and decorated, I tend to forget about them and go on to the next thing. So it's not hard to let go of them once, you've, once you get a certain way along the process? Yeah, because generally I've I've thought of something else, a sort of like variation on the first thing, and then I want to make that, and I'm like, well, hurry up with that one, because I've got something else in my head now that needs to come out. And what advice would you give people who are thinking about starting their own pottery journey? Do it. Just do it. (laughs) Just do it. And what are your pottery dreams? I don't know about my pottery dreams, but I know my husband is thinking that one day I'll be discovered <laughs> and um, he'll be able to just, like, leave work and retire and I'll just sell a piece or two a month and keep us in the lap of luxury. OK. But for me, because I've come up through adult education, I just want it to carry on. I just yeah. want to be able to find, you know, to have somewhere to carry on. When this place opened, I was just like, oh, oh my God, there's a pastor in Hume. And then it was Robert of all people. I was like, could it be any better? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying to persuade Robert to do an interview as well. You know, maybe he will, maybe he won't. Let's just see. Who but, knows? Who but anyway, knows? thank you very much, Helen. Right, thank you very um, much. And if you want to have a look at Helen's work, just click the link in the episode notes. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye, Helen. Bye, Amanda. Thank you very much.